I, yeah, I, I know a good deal about um, 68 in France and like the 2001 insurrection is in, in Argentina, but like it's spotty. I'm honestly, I'm pretty proud of myself because I started getting into theory like over the summer. So I, this has been a, a me like fucking shooting up like a fucking Saturn V, whatever the Soviet equivalent Hell of yeah. Saturn V was. So I was working my way through the basic Marxism-Leninism study plan that's on our communism. And I'd been putting off Capital Volume 1, and I'd been, you know, putting it off and putting it off. And then I saw the ad for the book club, and I was like, well, I guess my time has come. I only got into theory once, like, all the George Floyd riots started, because I kind of realized that, like, I don't do jack shit. And I just kind of, and I was such, like, an armchair leftist. So I, so I just decided to get into theory more. And then, like, a week later, I saw a Reddit post for the book club. <laughs> A jingle for the transition, so here we are. I'm Proletariat. I'm Thibwick. I'm Andy. And I'm Zoe. So, this podcast isn't just a podcast uh, where we all happen to be in a book club, but a podcast that is being sprung from our book club, which is pretentiously named School of Marxist Fundamentals. Um, we're not specifically Marxist, we're founded by Marxists, and we're generally reading Marxist texts, but we welcome leftists from all, uh, fields. Andy, on the podcast, they're an anarchist. I think we've even had some liberals in the book club, but they didn't stay for that long. We were founded by Broll, who's our local Marxist professor and jujitsu nut. The book club is kind of a joint project with our uh, newsletter, Anti-Capital, which is run by Broletariat and Artie, who is not featured on the podcast. The book club is hosted through the free app Discord. There's a link to join the book club in the show notes. You can also contact us at or does it explode at protonmail.com, which is available um, in the show notes as well. That way, if the link isn't working, we can get you another link there. We highly recommend everyone joins, as it will help provide context to some of our topics, because um, often, if we're talking about any kind of article or book we've read, they'll be, that'll be available uh, in the book club. We'll try to provide the context ourselves anyway, but still, it would definitely be helpful for you to be in it. Um, and we also recommend you join as it helps you get more involved into educating yourself in theory, as well as organizing through things like anti-capital, but we'll get more into that a little later. Now, this episode is a compilation of a few different recordings, so it might feel a little jarring at times uh, in terms of our topics, because we jump around from uh, day to day as well, and uh, that's also why there's chunks missing Andy and Zoe. That's how this episode is. Uh, we'll have to see for other episodes. We haven't actually recorded them yet, so I don't know. There you go. We've got a set curriculum, which is going to cover three basic topics, and it's going to rotate. So at the end of the curriculum, it'll just start again. Uh, the curriculum will probably last about two years, give or take, so it's a pretty decent time investment. But the pace of reading is fairly leisurely, would you say, Fib? Um, well, I'm, I have no attention or concentration, and I was able to get through it. I feel like on the heavy, at least in Capital, the heaviest it ever got was maybe like 10, 15 pages a day. 
Yeah, yeah. And of course, I saved it all for the last night, but... Yeah, yeah, we only meet to actually discuss what we've read once a week, typically on Saturdays. It's been 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time lately, but we're looking to get some more international time zone meetings going, hopefully. The three topics, the broad topics we plan on covering in the curriculum, the first is philosophy. Marx's philosophy, his his grappling with philosophy, and our ultimate conclusion through reading some of the works that Marx wrote early on, such as the German ideology or the Paris manuscripts, is to come to the same conclusion that Marx did, which is that philosophy in and of itself is insufficient, that it is something to be overcome in order to start grappling with the problems of actual production. And that leads us to our section of economics, where we'll read works like Capital and ultimately come to the conclusion that simply a study of the abstract categories of economics is also insufficient unto itself. And you have to start transcending those abstract categories to get to the real content of history which of course makes up our last segment, our history segment, where we'll mostly focus on the revolutionary wave post-World War One, where it terminated in China in 1927. So we'll look at events in Russia, Germany, and China primarily. At the end of the curriculum, we'll simply start back over with philosophy. So if there's any sections or works that you missed, if you needed to drop out for a couple of weeks or months just because class got crazy, job was crazy, whatever, you can catch it the second time around. We haven't been through the entire curriculum, and so the second time around we're also going to add some extension courses in philosophy where we're going to read some additional works that'll be read on top of the base curriculum. So you could either just stick with the base curriculum and the extension courses, or you could just do the base curriculum. And we'll have some extension courses for the economics as well. I think it's set up in sort of a logical progression of moving from one point to another to where you actually wind up at the real content of history. I'm going to be honest, I was I thought I was going to drop out after like a couple chapters. I thought all of you were going to drop out after a couple of chapters, and I was correct in 99% of the cases as well. We, we got like, what, 300 new people, and they all left? Everybody wants to read Capital. It's, it, it's, I forget who has the quote. I think it's like Ronnie Coleman. He's a bodybuilder, and he's like, Anybody want to be a bodybuilder? But don't nobody want to lift no heavy ass weight. Everybody wants to know about <laughs> capitalism, but ain't nobody want to goddamn read Das Capital. Uh, do you think it'd be helpful if I like talk about my experience with the book club? Sure, let's hear it. I found um, before joining the book club, I I read the Communist Manifesto, then I read State and Revolution, um, and I don't know if I retained any of that. <laughs> I, I remember he didn't like Kotsky. I remember him talking about prisons a little because that came up again uh, right. recently in America. And then I read uh, Socialism, Utopian, and Scientific, which I think I, I read that a little more carefully and I took some notes here and there, but I still don't think I did that great. And then then and then I joined the book club. Like, I'm, like, I still am very, very new to this, but it definitely helps with my understanding. It also helps with accountability, because I could not tell you how long it took me to read Same Revolution. That's like 120 pages. Yeah, it's a pretty short and, book. Yeah, and it took me, like, months and months and months 
Because I just didn't do it. Because it, like, it was just sitting there. And I think I'll get to it later. And with this, with like the weekly checkup and then discussion, it was definitely, the accountability definitely helped me stay on track, which I think is something that a lot of leftists could help with. Laziness is an epidemic among the left, I feel like. Yeah, I think um Mike used to like to refer to it as like millenarianism. Like it's a millennial kind of thing and onward. With access to the internet and having access to everything, you don't need any of it because you always have access to it. Like you were just saying about State and Revolution, it's like, oh, the book's always there. What's the rush to read it? And it's yeah. like even worse with the internet because like with the Marxist Internet Archive, which is a marvelous resource, everything is there. So there's no real urgency. If you read Cecilia Bobrovsky's 20 Years in the Russian Underground, she's smuggling like pamphlets from... Lenin's hideout in Zurich back into Russia by sewing a dress and like putting the pamphlets in the inside hem of the dress so she can bring them across the border to Russia it's like you get this pamphlet and it's like oh shit you gotta read this dude like some serious effort went into writing this getting it printed at an illegal printing press and then bringing it into the country you know and then like the pamphlet if found would be burned so there's like seri there used to be you know serious urgency to consume this literature basically Th that's a good point you know that the book club gives you an urgency if yeah. you don't read it then you're going to be behind you're not going to be caught up with everybody and hopefully the book club serves as enough of a social motivator that like you know you you hang out in the book club and we talk about more than just books and stuff you know you and inverse yeah. talk a lot about music you know commando talks about his life stuff you you almost like you want to keep up with these people because they're you know they become your friends you know i mean you talk to them a lot and ideally of course too through the book club we would like more than just being a book club we do have the moment one member from the philippines who has said that some of the educational stuff that we've put across he's taken back and kind of redistributed through his party and they're like he, he was unable to attend last week's um meeting just because there are a bunch of student strikes going on in the middle of the philippines so it's like it's not just sort of abstract sitting around talking about this stuff the goal is ultimately to overcome all of these phases and get toward the real content of class struggle which on a, on a meta level for the book club would be to get beyond just reading about these things and finding ways to uh, participate in the actual practice of class struggle you know keeping your eyes and ears peeled for local opportunities for that being able to connect yeah. some of the historical lessons and theoretical lessons and so forth that you learn from the book club and bring that into your daily practice of class struggle and it seems like that guy from the philippines is taking full advantage of our book club for that purpose so that's that's awesome and it definitely also helps my understanding being able to discuss it because then any confusion that there is in can obviously be brought up if you read it and have a specific question you bring that up right many times when i wasn't confused about something but i still had misinterpreted i just didn't realize i had misinterpreted it I think, too, what happens is people may not be confused about, like, what a thing means, but they may simply be confused about why a thing is said at all, or why a thing yeah. is important. And also retaining information, I find after a little discussion, it's much easier. Like I said before, I've read State and Revolution, Socialism, Utopian, and Scientific, and I barely retain anything from them. I, I, I probably, I couldn't give a summary of what they're about, really. 
but I right. could like vaguely explain what a commodity is and where value comes from and stuff. Amusingly, I think after we get through our history section, you'll be able to talk a little more about State and Revolution than after having read State and Revolution, because State <laughs> and Revolution was written during, you know, the Russian Revolution. So it plays, you know, it's it's like the theoretical basis for a lot of what was going on as far as like the seizure of power by the proletariat and like the smashing of the state and all that. So yeah. it, it'll get brought up a lot in indirect ways through our history reading and then that alone might inspire you to go, oh, maybe I should read that now that you have like a, a proper historical grounding for it because it's like, this is why it was written, this is when it was written, this is the things that were said about it and, and all that stuff like by its contemporaries and stuff like that. And then uh, socialism, utopian and scientific, that is one we're going to read um, in our philosophy section too because like you said, it, it does hit a lot on like materialism and things like that. I've been subsisting off of uni food for the past semester, so I'm sort of like, my, my body's dying. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Fib, you got stuff to look forward to. It's only downhill from where you are. <laughs> hey Fib, if you don't want to do anything with your life, you can just like come work where I work. <laughs> They'll hire you. Hey, Bro, if you, don't, if you don't mind asking, Ma, what do you do? I'm going to live with a stranger on the internet. <laughs> no, I didn't say you could live with me, Jesus. You gotta find your own fucking place. Hey, Ma! If after you graduate, Andy, and you can't do anything with your worthless degree, you can come work for $13 an hour for my work if you want. Actually, there's something I want to say. Say it. In, in the article, An Argument with a Dead Marxist Humanist, which is the text we were reading this week for our book club, which is also available in the show notes. I'm confused by the talking about labors accumulating uh, dead class struggles. I don't know what that refers to. It's somewhat euphemistic in that labors accumulated dead class struggle is organization. Their dead class struggle is accumulated in the lived experience of, uh, you know, I'll stop So it's jargoning. just like a memory? Here, here, here. Is that what that means? Feb, this is how so, I... Um, it's so the, it's the gains in terms of organizational structure, um, history, and leadership that have emerged as a result of previous specific battles in labor's class struggle. That's uh, the way I interpret it. The way, the way I've interpreted it is when you, when you think of like the evolution of a culture... I, actually, I have, a, I have a better way. I, I have a better way of doing it. I'm not going to go down the anthro route. Fuck you, bro. Stop laughing. Fib, when you organize with someone or when you do something with someone and you build up affinity between them, you can think of that affinity as like like a set, Fuck off, bro. Stop fucking laughing. Mute yourself. You can think that that is like, like sedimenting experiences between them. If you think about that on like the scale of a class, over time, you build up social ties. You build up organize you bring up organizations you build up all these things that transform the class from a class in itself to a class for itself it's it's that accumulation of experience and organization like like development of like a community almost that's how i thought of it fuck you bro stop laughing fib please tell me that you could see my microphone after i muted myself because Screw i was yourself, bro. dying laughing the whole time fuck you fuck talking. you i'm also kind of i'm also keeping myself from laughing here Fuck both of you. Yeah. Well, so does that answer your question, Fib? I think so. Um, <laughs> He's even more confused now. I've I, I'm going to be honest. I was a little distracted by just how, by whatever the fuck Andy said, whatever that was supposed exactly. to be. But yeah, I like think, how. but I think I got the general idea. Oh uh, yeah. So 
Yeah, no, it's 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 organization. I mean, in a literal sense, the accumulation of labor's dead class struggle is its organization, and more importantly, it's organizational strength and power, so it's possible to lose the accumulation of dead class struggles and so on and so forth. It's it's like what Mike it's like what what Mike said is how as engaging in the struggle, organizational forms are distilled. Yeah, they're, they're distilled from the class. Right. Okay. Actually, hold on. Secreted. One second. G- give me Secreted. one second. I need to. I need to I, hold on. I'm gonna mute y'all for one second. I need to do something. Well, is there anything more we need? Um. Can we talk more about jujitsu and how it's dope? See, I just need Andy to start doing jujitsu or someone. It should be Andy though, and then we can start talking about jujitsu and like. Why? Have, why like, me specifically? No one else is as weak-willed as you are, Andy. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Fib was able to say no, and you you Googled and looked it up. I'm t- no, I'm just I'm just too I'm too anxious to say no to people. We're gonna try and get you into so much shit. You're gonna get so tired <laughs> hey, of it. Andy? You're gonna be like, <laughs> what's your what's your credit card number? He's a uni student. Three. You're not gonna get any money out of him. You should go after the guy who's offering to buy everybody headphones. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> but you'd say no, bro. I would. You're not weak-willed, like Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yourself. So, Andy, you're gonna download this stuff and get back to me on how your drills are going, right? No. Fib, you want to talk about music? Like the first thing that got, like like what I was gonna say before. Is it like it might be interesting to talk a little bit about what role music might have? I guess like I know for me, a large part of the direction that I've gone politically was determined by. At first, I got into started getting into metal music, and then I got into the band System Up and Down. That is very political lyrics that are generally anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, anti-war. That very much was like the gateway for me into a lot of leftist thought. It it can pull people to the left, like any art form i think you know people people come to this from various walks of life you know you come to it through through music you know some people get radicalized at work or through work or maybe they are you know a victim of some sort of injustice and they seek reparations in some way and come in contact with movements that are assisting with that you know i think one of the weaknesses of coming to this through music is sort of reflective of just a general weakness is there is no holistic left movement so when you come into it through music your next thought is okay what now because like you're like yeah you know fuck capitalism fuck war all this stuff and it's like okay now what do i do system of down yeah (laughs) like that's who you're talking to that's that's who your dialogue is with is with system of down or or whoever it is you speak to them personally well you know what i mean it's like do they offer a direction do they say at the end of songs or like do they have something in their album that's like we're sponsored by or we're a member of this party or this group or donate to these groups or like and so like just to give you some sort of reference point to say there's some sort of connectedness here that you can branch out and actually do something beyond just being like you know head bobbing along with the music kind of thing right that's also how you get those really weird right-wing people who like Rage Against the Machine. You know, there's there's no organic connection between a working-class movement and Rage Against the Machine. If Rage Against the Machine were, like, singing a song about, like, Black Lives Matter or, like, was part of that or was, like, openly part of Fight for 15 or some sort of working-class movement and, like, was involved in playing music at strikes and, like, walking picket lines, then it becomes incredibly 
difficult to dissociate their music from a working class movement and it kind of makes them immune to being co-opted in that way right yeah i i heard actually a, a similar topic i forgot which article that i was reading but it was, essentially it brought up how he was talking about different ways of expressing theory beyond like beyond like theory itself like ways of expressing revolutionary ideas within the sort of broader social milieu and it brought up music specifically and it talked actually directly about that about recuperation and how i think it was talking about rap specifically how how it it started as something that could have been like a lot more like critical of sort of society generally and then it was very easily recuperated into misogyny and rape culture it's like as you said bro like a lack of explicitness yeah and like a lack of connectivity like everything is sort of I mean, that's one of the things capital does, is it atomizes and fractionates everything. So, you know, everybody exists as an individual. There's no community. There's just the individual commodity buyers and sellers. So that gets reproduced in our organizational forms, or lack thereof, where you just have musicians. And it's like, okay, they have these opinions, but they're not really connected to anything that furthers those opinions. They are effectively, like just commenting on things that are happening like a war is going on and they're like yeah fuck that but it's like they're not really part of an anti-war movement you know they're not helping organize strikes or anything or like lending their musical talent to help in those efforts they're just sort of commenting on something that happened and they're incapable of affecting any sort of outcome yeah back to like a slightly earlier point when you said um like after you listen to the music, and then it's, what do I do now? So some of it down. Search Tankian, what do I do? That's, I know that's definitely what happened with me, where after I listened to it, I listened to it, I, I guess I would have probably been listening to it maybe like late 2017, and I didn't really get into politics then until maybe j- July 2020-ish. That's when I like, that's when like I got into it and like I started really trying to, like that's when like I joined the book club and I got more involved. Instead of just going on Reddit and like, going on more tanky chapo and stuff <laughs> right so yeah i was just gonna say that i know that definitely kind of happened with, for me where like i didn't really have any plea i thought okay wow this capitalism thing sure is pretty bad war what's that about but like i didn't have any i didn't have any grounds to actually for any actual education um yeah, there's no gateway to lend that out yeah <clears throat> it basically it, it just kind of like i think i think really i found it accidentally through other places on the internet through like an introduction into bread tube which is bad, but like, <laughs> but like that got me. That got me. BreadTube. That BreadTube got me to Reddit, which got me to R slash Communism, which got me to the book club. <laughs> so, hey, hey, that's what matters, right? And and like, but but see, that's that's the thing. Is like, it's a whole bunch of accidental connections. There's no yeah. like organic unity here. Like, I feel like with the book club, we're trying to foster an organic unity. It's like, hey, we're a book club, but. Also, here's this anti-capital thing, which you can write for as an outlet and advertise for, and we're also doing this podcast thing, which you can participate. Like, we're creating a little ecosystem kind of thing. We're trying to keep our efforts not self-contained, as in isolated from other sources, but we're just relating our efforts internally. You know, these, these things are all connected. It's like you can go from one thing to the other. So now that you've come in through the book club, you can write an article for Anti-Capital. You can participate in the podcast. Oh, how about you, Fib? You want to do jiu-jitsu? No, I... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he said it with so much disgust. It's like, God, no. There is two opposite problems on the left. You are way too freaking humble and modest about it. It's it's the Danton quote, a revolutionary needs one trait. Well, he says three traits. Audacity, audacity, and more audacity. You're way too humble about it all. On the other hand, you'll get people who like haven't read anything and they just think they know everything. But give yourself some more credit, Fib. You've read Capital. I can guarantee you that almost anyone you encounter in your life has not read that. <laughs> other than like the six people from our book club that you know at this point. Like I probably could like, ex like if my mom was like, hey, what's the commodity? I could probably say what, but like... Well, what's a commodity, Fib? Let's hear it. Okay. A commodity is um, uh, a product produced for a social need by um, a use value. Marvelous. A product is a use value, um, or a commodity is a, uh, is a use value made by human labor for a social need. Something like that. Something I'd probably like be that. easier for me to write it down, a couple drafts of like a the the log line, and then give that. Oh boy, no, this is definitely going in the final podcast right here. You hear this? Folks? I'm you can you well, can... I'm the one editing it, so. I fucking hate my job. <laughs> you hear that, folks? You How wrong read... was I? You can you can read all of Capital and only know half of what a commodity is. No, you're you're not that far off base. Um. If I had to define a commodity, I would say it's a it's a unity of exchange value and a use value. And the use value is simply the physical form of the commodity, and the exchange value is the value that the commodity has in exchange. And of course, that yeah. description leaves like wide open avenues to elaborate into the things that you were talking about, that it is a product of human labor, that... Yeah. Uh, I was trying social. to, I didn't want to just say, mm -hmm. like, I could just say, oh, it's a, it's a, like, well, labor value is kind of, feels like a dirty word, kind of. It is. Really, but, like, I, I was, I could just say, like, oh, yeah, it's exchange value and use value. I, I remembered the values that it was. Oh, that's the important part. Yeah. But <laughs> also, it, I feel like exchange value is nebulous, kind of. It is. to say that, like, it is for, because, like, the important thing <laughs> is that it's for the use of other people, not your own use. Yes. And, and I like... Because a commodity, I mean, if you had to define a commodity, it's simply the unity of use value and exchange value. And you're you're right on, and this is kind of what I was talking about in designing the curriculum, that you have to supersede these categories. The, the category of commodity already needs to be superseded by talking about, you know, what is, what is a social product, what is social labor, what, you know, you, you immediately start asking those questions because it doesn't really make sense as a self-contained category. You have to start expanding it and eventually you get to the point where you're overcoming these categories to, to talk about the real content of production and class struggle and history and things like that. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it is kind of unfair to ask you to define commodity because it immediately invites other questions none of these I'll never forgive you. yeah none of these categories are are very well contained so to speak they're begging to burst past their own bounds pretty much and that's kind of what the entire structure of capital is you start with 
value in a commodity becoming self-expanding value and turning into capital, you know, and so on and so forth. I'm not going to outline the entire structure of capital here, but, you know. So, like, I was kind of hoping you'd take over the podcast kind of project. Hopefully in a year or so time you feel a bit more comfortable with that and you kind of have an ear for talking to people, getting guests on. And, like, I can, I can show on occasionally kind of thing. I wouldn't be able to put in a consistent appearance, but... So what I'm saying is, like, the, the podcast can start taking up more of your time, and there might be other projects that evolve and develop. But at the moment, you don't have anything you want to write for anti-capital. But in the future, as you read stuff, it's like, hey, why is nobody talking about this? And it's like, well, that's that's your job now, because you've noticed it, and <laughs> you think someone should be, so that's, that's you now. <laughs> and the other thing, too, that, like, takes up a lot of time, like, it's something I think about all the time. Always just, you, you sort of, like, mentally map it out, and you think about what you're going to do and how it's going to go. Uh, jiu-jitsu. Once you start doing that, oh my, it's oh my god! <laughs> oh, I had to work that in. Sorry. No, I, I'm not kidding though. It's it's all consuming in my. Okay, I muted bro. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is how it should be. Okay, so how are you, Andy? I'm doing okay. I'm back at home now, so Good. the semester's ended, so I really have nothing to do. So, you know, theory can take a bigger part of my life again, which is nice. I'm excited to start the discussions. How are you doing, Fib? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, Christmas season. I'm going to... I'm I'm bringing... Girls, I'm even now. (laughs) I'm going to choke you both. (laughs) (laughs) Don't cut me with a good time, bro. Well, I mean, you know if what, my, we ever actually make this fucking podcast, you know, at least we each have distinct characterization already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. This is just a reminder of where you can find us. There should be a link to join the Discord for the book club at the top of the show notes, and if that link isn't working, then you can email us at ordoesitexplode at protonmail.com. You should be able to access our show notes at our publication anticapitalzero.wordpress.com the number zero, not the word. Uh, you can also find them, if the show notes aren't there, then you should also be able to get them in the description of every one of our SoundCloud uploads. I didn't think I would like jujitsu. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I originally... I mean, I really anything. You can't talk about anything else. 